Welcome back, everyone. This is More Than Numbers, Enneagram for Business. I'm Lamar Brad and your co-host, along with Keanu Trujillo, the Enneagram coach for professionals. And we are going to go over childhood interpretations with you today. Keanu, what in the world does that mean? A childhood interpretation is the way that you perceive the world from early on and throughout your life. And we call it a childhood interpretation or otherwise known as a childhood message because this is the way that you perceived uh, the world or this is what you were told directly. And each Enneagram type has a different childhood interpretation and it shapes them throughout their life. And we call it childhood, but all of us were still carrying this interpretation with us today. So when we understand this interpretation, then we can identify kind of where tensions are arising or why we're doing what we're doing. So these childhood interpretations, did this create us into the Enneagram types we are now or shed some light on that? That's a great question. And I get that, I get asked that often, right? The nature versus nurture conversation. And our belief with the Enneagram is that this is how we were created. We were created with this personality type, right? It's, it's inherent in us and everything that happened in our life. Yes, traumas and events and everything like that are different, but we're going to perceive them differently. And so I wanted to touch on and really talk about childhood interpretations today, because the way that we see the world Lamar, you and I could have gone through the same situations as kids. And from an eight and a one's perspective, through our childhood interpretations, we're going to interpret it differently. It's going to tell us different things about how the world is or how we exist in the world. Can you give me an example of like how, I mean, I'm a type one, you're a type eight. How would we, as a child, how do we perceive, do you have examples of that? I mean, from the peach bowl that you were coaching and whatnot? I want to share my own example because this is probably the greatest, one of the greatest aspects of the Enneagram that really brought me to a lot of understanding of my life and how I operated the way that I did or in and out of relationships or different things. So this was really impactful. So I wanted to share and a bit of my story. Um, I was raised with my mom and stepdad and then my stepmom and my dad, and I kind of lived back and forth. And uh, I realized that there were some things in my life that led to not being able to trust people, uh, be vulnerable with people, not really wanting to open up and not really wanting to connect fully because I figured that, hey, someone's people are going to leave. That's what people do. People leave. And also Hmm. in relationships, when I did open up and I would be vulnerable or I would connect with people, if there was any hint of them leaving or hurting me, I would hurt them before they could hurt me. Right. Wow. heard, I mean, like, I'm going to leave before you can leave me. And so it all seems like it, it kind of was a coincidence or that this is just the way that I thought, or this is the way that, you know, I interpreted the world. And with the Enneagram, we get to understand that, Hey, no, it's, it's so much deeper and there's something really going on. So as a type eight, my childhood interpretation, my childhood message is it's not okay to trust or be vulnerable with anyone. And that message shaped me in my life and certain incidents, I perceived them through that lens. So a very vulnerable story. Uh, When I was about 11, I was living with my dad and my stepmom and they had two kids together and then two kids that were hers. So I was the only child that did not belong to my stepmom. So there are five kids in the house and my stepmom decided that she wanted to divorce my dad and leave and take the kids. And my dad, I didn't realize how sad he was. I didn't realize how upset he was about this divorce. 
I couldn't mm -hmm. see past the fact that I thought, wow, I get to have my dad all to myself because my dad was my best friend. I'd go to work with him. I'd wake up early. We'd go wow. fishing at like 4 a.m. And I remember I would go to sleep. I would be wearing my boots and my, my sweatpants and my jacket. And I'd sleep in that because we were going to leave so early that I could just spring out of bed and, and wet my face with cold water. It's something he always did. And we just go fishing. So my dad was my best pal. And even from like 10 years old, nine years old, I'd go to work with him. Uh, at the feedlots, there's the feed, there are the feedlots surfacing again. Um, but so he was my best friend and I didn't realize how hurt he was until one night. Um, he didn't want to sleep in his room because it reminded him of his wife and I didn't want him to be alone. So he would sleep on one couch and I'd sleep on the other and we'd fall asleep watching TV. Yeah. And one night everything was fine. We were watching a documentary. I remember very, very clearly on the Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals new stadium. And we were watching this documentary about this great wonder and what it was. And I remember falling asleep while, while watching it. And my older sister who lived across the street, she was much older. She didn't live with us. She, for some reason, she came and checked on us. And I can't help but believe that was all God that sent her over to check on us. And she was shaking me awake and she was telling me, you need to go, you need to run, you need to, you need to get out of here. And I'm wondering like, what happened? What's going on? And I looked around, I couldn't see my dad. And she said, just get out of here. Here's your shoes. You need to get out of here. And so I hit the door and I ran across the street and I hid in her house. And uh, I saw an ambulance pull up and I saw the EMTs run inside. I saw police pull up and they ran inside and I'm just sitting there watching like, what's going on? What's going on? What's wrong with my dad? Um, and he ended up attempting suicide and uh, he mm. had stabbed himself in the gut and thank God he survived. He lived, but I watched him roll out in the gurney uh, with the, the the sheet over his abdomen, kind of sticking up where the you know the knife was still in him. Oh my gosh! And he survived, uh, but I kept wondering, like, why would my dad do this to me? Why would my dad leave me? Why would why wasn't I enough? Right? Why wouldn't my dad wow. stick around? And I see now, looking back on it, how that my interpretation, my childhood interpretation of it's not okay to trust or be vulnerable with anyone was reinforced yeah. in two ways that night. One, because he wasn't vulnerable. He didn't open up with how hurt he was. And I love my dad. We have a great relationship. We're still, you know, we're still connected, um, but he wasn't vulnerable. So it showed me that, hey, it's not okay to be vulnerable, but it also showed me that I can't trust people. If my wow. dad, right, if my own father would leave me, then why wouldn't yeah. anyone else? Why, why wouldn't Lamar leave me? Why wouldn't this girlfriend leave me? Why wouldn't, you know, everyone leave me? And I always thought like that and I reacted that way. And yeah. so on and on, I began to understand that, uh, you know, this is just the way that I am. And so first and foremost, when I found Christ at, at 23 years old, that was the message that spoke to me. And we know with the core longings of all types, which we've covered in an episode before, my core longing is you will not be betrayed. And so I always asked, why would my dad leave me? Mm. Right? Why would my father do that to me? Why didn't he care enough? And I look back and I see God in my life and I see that my father never left me. You know, mm. my father never abandoned me. And as a matter of fact, my father was there that night right? My father got me out of there. My father protected me from waking up and finding my dad possibly yeah. gone. You know, my father kept my earthly father alive. And so <laughs> when you know this message, when you know this childhood interpretation, you can start to really understand yourself and coach yourself back to a healthy place of saying, hey, this is why 
we interpreted it this way. This is why we understood it this way. This is why this happened. And, and I don't have to remain in this place of believing this lie that it's not okay to trust and be vulnerable with people. And so there's, there's been a lot of growth in understanding this. And uh, I just wanted to share that story because that's the kind of impact that uh, understanding this childhood message, internalizing it and applying it to your life can, can begin to have for you. Wow. Wow. Kiana, what a tremendous story. And thanks for the vulnerability in, uh, in sharing that. And man, people out there have so much, there's, there's others out there that have similar stories as you do. And, um, they needed to hear that. They needed to hear that from you. And that's so amazing. So that is your perception of that situation from a, from the lens of a type eight. Yeah. If I am a different type, how would I have perceived that situation? If I'm a type three or type one or whatever type you would want to take that on? Well, I think that, you know, looking through these, I think this is a good opportunity now to walk through all of the childhood interpretations, and then we can kind of break down, right, how each child might perceive that situation. Yeah. So for the type one, the childhood message is it's not okay to be wrong or make mistakes. The mm -hmm. type two helper, it's not okay to have needs of your own. Type three achiever, it's not okay for you to have your own feelings and identity. Type four, it's not okay to be too much and not enough. Let that one soak in for a moment. Type four is, I'm, I feel for you. Type fives, it's not okay. Type five investigator, it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. Type six, mm. it's not okay to trust or depend on yourself. Type seven, it's not okay to depend on others for anything. Type eight, it's not okay to trust or be vulnerable with anyone. And type nine, peacemaker, it's not okay to assert yourself or think much of yourself. So hmm. maybe walking through, you know, that, that interpretation, starting with the type one, if you were in my situation, how might you have interpreted that from the lens of it's not okay to be wrong or make mistakes? Say the type one childhood message again. It's not okay to be wrong or make mistakes. Sorry, you just said it, but I had already thought about the question. When you were <laughs> said okay. Edit this part out so I don't sound like a like a non-listening idiot. <laughs> Knowing you, you'll probably leave it in because you. I'm like gonna leave it in, there. guys. I left it. Here in. you go. Here you go. Anyways, <laughs> um, if if you know if I were to go through a situation like that, um, meaning like it's not okay to be to be wrong, you know, maybe I'm telling myself, you know, it was the wrongness of my dad's x that led him to this situation you know i can't make a mistake because that might lead to someone else's suicide attempt mm -hmm. or whatever that might be that's kind of what my mind got yeah. to any input from your end no that's 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 really great because that adds to what i would have said i think that a type one might have perceived that situation as what did i do wrong mm -hmm. right right what did i do to make my dad do that and and i just yeah. didn't think like that i, I just didn't you yeah. know, like, like what mistake did I make to make my dad want to do that? Yeah. Yours was more like, you know, how could my dad do that to me? Yeah. Right. Whereas the, the type one, everything is so introspective. It's always like, what could I have done differently? Like, why did I fall asleep so fast? Why didn't I wake up? Like, why didn't right. I hear him stab himself? Like, that's really good. Yeah. It's really um, good. The, the type two, it's not okay to have needs of your own. The type two might interpret that situation in, in uh, well, one, the type two avoids their own feelings while, while trying to care for others. So I think mm. a type two would have interpreted very similar to the type eight, where it's not okay to have needs of my own. Well, clearly my needs don't matter because my yeah. dad didn't take account for my needs. 
Yeah. And so living throughout life would be understanding that, Hey, my needs don't matter as much as yours. So I'm going to fall asleep to my needs. So that way yours can be met. Right. The, the type three, it's not okay for you to have your own feelings and identity. Uh, similar again to that, not have your own feelings. Type threes are driven by avoiding feelings altogether. So feelings don't matter as much as the mission, right? Being very, very driven in the, that achievement mindset. And then the identity piece of it, you can't show how you really feel about this situation. Type three, mm. type three would feel like they can't really express how this really affected them because then that's their identity and they don't yeah. want to necessarily be tied to that as their identity. But at the same time, they'll struggle and have identity crisis because, well, that was a big part of you, right? That, that, that was a major uh, incident. And, and you have to learn how to navigate that because we don't really get over anything. We suppress and suppress and we feel like we forget it until we don't, until it comes back up again. So that's how I believe that a, a, that message would, or the type three would have interpreted the situation. Uh, type four, it's not okay to be too much and not enough. What is that message? That's confusing, right? It's not okay to be too much and not enough. Well, when you understand that type fours believe that they're inherently flawed, well, if they're too much, that's not good. If they're not enough, that's not good. But they don't really ever believe that there's a middle ground where they're actually whole until they really do accept uh, the, the, and understand, right, where they're coming from and how they are enough, right, how they are made enough. And so the, the interpretation for a type four would be very interesting. Yeah, because I, I might want to try it. I want to yeah, try attempt ahead. at it. What I would think is going through a situation is like, man, if only I were that much better, or maybe if, man, if I wasn't just so overbearing on my dad, mm. if I didn't stress him out, or if, if, if I would have just gave a little bit more, or if I just knew a little bit more about how to help him, yeah. it's like finding that little balance of like, where did I go too far? Where did I not try enough? And you know, when, when did I overdo it? When did I underdo it? It's like, it's crazy. It's like, you never find that, that balance of how bad I, how bad they may want to help, Yes, but not at the same time, not being overbearing. That's great. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a perfect example. And I think that you can understand more so a type four than I can because a type one shares a path with a type four, right? So you understand what it's like to be in those shoes a bit more where I would understand a, you know, a two and a seven and a, and a five a little bit more. I go through that battle all day. I'm like, remember when I sent you that text message? I can't remember. I was like, I was like, man, I, well, oh yeah. When I was texting you about your wife with the Bible plan and I was like, you know, how can I say this in a way that's not condescending? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say, and I, I type it out and you're like, yeah, bro, that was condescending. And I'm like, because I literally wife, thought about it. Right. Because my wife is our most faithful listener. She's going to ask, wait, what did he mean by that? Babe, he texts me and asked, why didn't you have your wife on the Bible plan? Something like that to that effect. Yeah. And I was like, wow, man, like ask me a question as to like, ask me a question first. Like that was not a question. That was a... That was rough. And, and Lamar, oh, I said, I said, did you tell you, I said, did you tell your wife about the Bible plan? There That's you go. And I said, I would have rather heard why isn't your wife on the Bible plan? And yeah. I was like, so yeah. And you, <laughs> which and is such a think, subtle difference, which is like, 
what makes me mad is like, I think so hard about how to get it right. When I get it wrong, it's like, I just wasted all my energy overthinking that. So I might as well just do whatever. (laughs) Well, well, all of the things, again, in the way that we interpret communication, we understand communication. No wonder it's so complicated to communicate with people or navigate conflict or whatever it may be, because we're saying one thing through our interpretation. They're receiving it through their interpretation and everywhere in the middle is not even understanding where we're coming from. Right. will be an episode for another time. Yeah. To give myself a little own coaching, a little nugget, what I probably could have did differently was saying, I don't mean for this to be condescending, but did you tell your wife about the Bible plan? Right. Just put it out there, right? You already knew. You already knew, okay, I may come across condescending. So just own that. And it's kind of like for me, hey, this might sound aggressive, but, and I don't mean that, I care for you, but, (laughs) right? And it's like, it's just owning that. So that one's like, wow, he's aggressive and I don't know how to tell him because I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. moving, moving forward, uh, the yeah. type fives, it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. So the type five operates more naturally in a scarcity mindset. Um, mm. and that leads to their, their core weakness, which is avarice or greed. So they feel like they have to have or learn or take in more, have more resources, right? Always be stocked up. So in the same way, it's not okay to be comfortable. It's kind of like that old, like that saying, which is accurate, right? If you're not growing, you're dying, right? If you're not taking in more, you're losing, um, which makes type fives great in the business space. Um, But again, it can lead to a place of really not uh, being able to fully embrace your best because you're operating from that scarcity. So the type five interpreting that message, uh, interpreting that situation through that message. With that being comfortable, like you guys are hanging out, laying down on the couch. Is that, is that the type of, it's not okay to be that comfort? Or is it just like mentally comfortable? Like if I'm not always trying to learn something, like, can you, well, I, what I do know about type fives and ones that I've coached and just in contact with, they're great sabers. So there's a physical aspect to that as well, right? But not to be comfortable. It's not be comfortable. It's make sure we have enough in the bank account, enough in the energy. But I think it, it, it's because this is a, an interpretation mentally, it, this speaks more to the psychology of it. It's not okay to be comfortable as in, I should have known, I should have been prepared. I could have, mm. you know, I should have, I should have. And again, it's a subtle difference. Between oh, it's like letting your guard down or letting your attention down or letting Yes, you your know, awareness, like, your understanding. It's like you're not always scanning. You're not always scanning at this point. It's like I let my guard down and now and now, yeah, it's crazy. Which is very close to the type six, which is it's not okay to depend on yourself. Mm. And type six is a worst case scenario planner, period. Worst case scenario thinker, a constant devil's advocate. They have a the type one has an inner critic that's constantly berating them. The type six has an inner committee that's constantly telling them what all could happen, what could go wrong. So for them interpreting that it's not okay to, to depend, to trust or depend on yourself, I think they would take a lot of the pain that I felt outward and actually face it inward. So yeah. they would be saying like, okay, they, I knew that this would happen. I, I should have known I, the, the worst case scenarios that go in their, on in their mind, uh, they'll beat themselves up that they didn't plan for that one, that they should have been prepared. But also the type six core desire is support, security, and guidance. So how damaging can this be for, well, one, all of us, but especially for someone that says, I just wanted security, support, and guidance. Why couldn't I get that? But I think in the same way, my core desire, type eight's core desire is to protect themselves and those they care about. So there was, there was a point there where I thought, okay, I wasn't able to be strong enough for my dad. I should have been stronger for him. But that led to unhealthy places because then I didn't tell him for years and years how that affected me. As a matter of fact, I didn't tell anyone for years how that affected me. Um, I just bottled it up because I thought if I tell my dad how sad that made me, if I tell him how much that hurt me, he's going to hurt himself again. 
you know? And so even then I didn't process it probably for about 10 years. And I remember I was a police officer when I finally processed it, I was about 21 and we had a, a, a week that was just full of homicide and suicide and a lot of death. It was terrible. And, um, I remember calling my mom crying, just bawling, crying. And I hadn't cried like that in years. And she said, what's going on? She thought someone got hurt. She thought I was hurt something. And I told her, why would he do that? Why would he do that? And she said, I like who, what happened? And I told her my dad, why would he leave me? And my mom said, I knew this would happen. You never processed it. You never talked about it. You never shared. And now I know why, right? It's not okay to be mm-hmm. vulnerable. It's not okay to share, you know, suck it up, be strong, be strong for everyone else. Uh, but, but, but eventually eights, you, you can't be strong for yourself anymore. You have to learn how to process these. Uh, so we can get, get through the rest of them. Sevens, it's not okay to depend on others for anything. Well, I think that speaks pretty accurate or common. I mean, pretty obvious how they would think about that. Well, the seven driven by experiences, by not being limited, their core weakness as well, being gluttony, they're going to move towards, okay, what can I do to get what I need? It's not okay to depend on others. I have to go and get it. So Mm -hmm. they would feel in that, that place abandoned. And, you know, of course I couldn't, couldn't depend on him for anything. I got to go and take care of myself. And I, I feel this message because as an eight wing seven, I definitely understand that part too. Um, I've already discussed eights, nines. It's not okay to assert yourself or think much of yourself. So the nine would really just become much more passive or withdrawn to what happened. Now they would still believe that it's somehow their fault Um, but they wouldn't want to insert or assert themselves into how they could have made it better. So I think that it would just drive even more. So the nine's core longing is your presence matters, which is on the other side of this childhood message, right? I think that for them to think, okay, it's not okay to assert yourself. This would just affirm to a type nine that, Hey, your presence doesn't matter if they were to experience something like this. Yeah, that's really good, man. uh, uh, Such an impactful uh, message, such an impactful story that you're painting in a picture, picture that you're painting two things. Would it be helpful for people that have kids to figure out their types and how do they do that? And then the second thing, how does all this apply to business? Yeah. Great questions. And it's funny because that's where I wanted to land this. And, and you, we're just getting good at this Lamar. People, we love, we love doing this for you. Trust me, we love to talk. Uh, the first thing is, we, it's very hard to type your children, but you can begin to understand because kids are very candid why they do what they do. So you can ask them, right? Like, hey, why did you do that? Why did you feel that way? And you can really get to the bottom of it. And in what they say, we can begin to understand this, which is something that from time to time when I'm coaching couples, I will spend a little bit more time on the childhood interpretations if they have kids. So they can start to understand, right? If their kid said, well, I didn't trust them, right? Okay, we're onto something, right? Or I should have mm-hmm. just been better. Okay, we're onto something. We can dig into this to start to understand where their type may be because we believe we're born with it, right? It's not, it's not something that you know we become, we're born with these types. So your kids, for those of you that have kids out there, they're walking around with this. And so ask good questions because they're going to shed some light on, on where they're coming from. And you can then take this understanding of the Enneagram and, and learn to lead them in that way. Because what's going to happen, and there's a great correlation and direct uh, parallel to business, business leaders and business owners, your people are your kids, And you are speaking to them in the way you want to be spoken to. And you are leading them in the way you want to be led. And you are guiding them through your perception without having very much understanding of their perception 
or what they need or how they think. And so when you understand how a kid thinks and you're thinking, well, you know, for me, for example, Hey, you just got to be driven. You got to go out and get it. You got to go make it happen, right? Just get out there and try some things. If you fail, that's okay. Pick yourself up. And if I'm talking to, you know, my daughter one day, you know, Lord willing, and she's a nine, first of all, my wife's going to hurt me. Um, but she's going to think that she's a failure because she can't operate like that. That's not how she's wired. And she's going to continue to try and do what I do. And that's only going to hurt her. Yeah. Right. And she's going to say, well, I just can't quite add up. No, I wasn't connecting with her in the right way. So transition over to the business aspect, right? How are you not understanding your people? And when, when you understand this childhood message alone, we can have so much impact to go into your business and find everyone's type and just talk about the childhood message because they're interpreting you and they're reading you through this message. Still your people on your team, if you're an effective leader, you should have some conflict and some tension. If you don't, you're, you're, you probably need to get back in your business, right? You're dealing with people. It's going to happen. So there's a direct correlation in this, this childhood message, as I know it's very deep, but one, it leads to a place of faster vulnerability on your team. So if I understand your childhood message and how you interpret the world and how that may have impacted you, we can connect rather quickly and people don't quit their jobs. They quit their bosses. They quit their environment, Right. So that can accelerate relationships there. It can accelerate results because you're going to be able to more directly speak to them in the way that they need to be spoken to and understanding as well. They can understand your uh, interpretation and why you're coming from where you're coming from. And we can get to the results uh, much faster, accelerated relationships, accelerated results. There is nothing else that we need to add on to that. I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing all that. You always wrap it up in a nice little bow for us so perfectly. Keanu, I love it. I love it. Well, you guys, that's been another one. It's a wrap. This is More Than the Numbers, Enneagram for Business, Lamar Bratton, Keanu Trujillo, the Enneagram for Professionals. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. See you guys next week. And if you want to engage with us, email us, info at truestrategy.info. Let's find your childhood message. Let's find your childhood interpretation and that of your team. Um, if you want to visit our website, www.truestrategy.info. See you next time.